this morning as we delve into the topic of hope, I'd like to share this story with you. This occurred about several months following World War II. An American submarine had come back to Newport News, Virginia to dock and something went wrong and the submarine began to sink. Immediately the Coast Guard was dispatched to rescue the crew and as divers neared the hull of the ship, they heard a tapping that they recognized as Morse code. One of the trapped sailors was tapping out this message. Is there any hope? In a way, that's the essential question of the human race. Is there any hope? This is a question asked by people in so many different ways. The couple who spent the last six months with a marriage counselor and really don't see any improvement in their relationship, they look at each other and ask, is there any hope? The patient lying in the hospital bed listening to the doctor explain the test results and wondering, is there any hope? The teenager who feels trapped in a world where no one seems to really understand or even care. And they fall asleep at night wondering, is there any hope? The alcoholic who tries so hard to, to be sober lifts the glass to his lips once again and wonders, is there any hope? And into this gray shadow lands of discouragement comes this answer from God's word. Yes, there is hope. Where? In God himself. Look at this verse from the book of, of Psalms. It says this, We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Now this morning as we talk about hope, it's really important to define what this word means because we use the word hope in so many different ways. You may be a student and you say, I hope I get into the college that I want to attend or, or maybe you're a mom and you've had a new baby and you think, man, I just hope my baby starts sleeping through the night. Or maybe at this time of the year you say, I hope I can finish my Christmas shopping this week. A number of years ago when President Reagan was shot, he was rushed to the hospital and one of the doctors said that he was going to be operating on the president. And with his characteristic wit, President Reagan said, well, I sure hope you're a Republican. <laughs> we often use the word hope to refer to what we want to happen. The problem is that what we want to happen doesn't always happen. And we realize that we had false hope. But in the Bible, the word hope is used in a very different way. It doesn't refer to what we want to happen. It refers to what we know will happen. Look at this definition of hope on your outline this morning. What is hope? Hope is the confident expectation, the confident expectation that God will do what he has promised. Look at this Bible verse from Psalm 119. You are my refuge and my shield. I have put my hope, where? In your word. God, I confidently expect you to do exactly what you promised. Now the first time that God said something to people to give them hope was way back in the Garden of Eden. You may recall the story, Adam and Eve disobeyed God and God had given them essentially an eviction notice and he tells them how it's gonna be from now on and it is not good news. He says to Eve, Eve, you're going to have pain and suffering as you bring children into the world. And Adam, Adam, because of your disobedience, the ground is cursed and you're gonna work really hard your whole life and then you're gonna die and return to the dust from which you came. Now that's not a hopeful message, is it? Just the opposite. And so what does God do? Does he leave them there? Well, absolutely not. 
There in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, we see hope. The hope given to Adam and Eve that, that someday a child is going to be born who will make it possible for their relationship to be restored. Now, why did God give them this promise? Because Adam and Eve couldn't survive without hope. And think about the nation of Israel. When, when things are really hard for Israel, what does God do? God says, listen, a day is coming when I'm going to send a savior. I'm going to send a righteous king. His kingdom will last forever. And so they have this hope in God's promise to look forward to. And that hope helps Israel survive. Now, why do we need to know that? Well, because just like Adam and Eve and just like the nation of Israel, we are people this morning who need what? Yeah, we all need hope. Where is that hope found? In God. And this is important. We can put our hope in things other than God. And the Bible points this out. Look at this next verse. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. A number of years ago, my wife Chris and I went to the Kennedy Space Center. Anybody ever been to the Kennedy Space Center? That is a remarkable place, isn't it? And I love science and I love technology and it was just amazing all these things that people have invented and the message though was not too subtle that our hope lies in science and in technology. And I was looking at this enormous Saturn V rocket. I mean, it is ginormous. And I was thinking about a quote that I read one time by a man, his name is John Basham. He said this, our hope lies not in the man we put on the moon, but in the man we put on the cross. The Bible tells us to put our hope in God and what he's done for us in Jesus. But why should we do that? Really, why should we put our hope in God? Well, let me point out some benefits of choosing to put your hope in God. And here's the first one. This is on your outline. Hope in God gives you the strength to keep going when life is hard. The strength to keep going when life is hard. There was a, a seasick passenger who was on a cruise ship and he was leaning over the railing and turning several shades of green. And this person on the crew came up and said, sir, don't be discouraged. No one has ever died from being seasick. And the man said, oh, please don't tell me that. It's only the hope of dying that's kept me alive this long. When life is hard, you need something to hope for. Something that will give you the strength to keep on going. We find that hope in this verse in Isaiah. But those who hope in the Lord, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Let me share this story with you. Several years ago, a teacher assigned to visit children in a large city hospital received a routine call requesting that she visit a particular child. She took the boy's name and room number and was told by the teacher on the other end of the line, we're studying nouns and adverbs in his class now. I'd be grateful if you could help him with his homework so he doesn't fall behind the other students. It wasn't until the visiting teacher got outside the boy's room that she realized it was located in the hospital's burn unit. No one had prepared her to find a young boy horribly burned and in great pain. She felt that she just couldn't turn and walk out, so she awkwardly stammered, I'm, I'm the hospital teacher, and, and your teacher sent me to help you with, with nouns and adverbs. The next morning, a nurse on the burn unit asked her, what did you do to that boy? Before she could finish a profusion of apologies, 
The nurse interrupted her. No, you don't understand. We've been very worried about him. But ever since you were here yesterday, his whole attitude has changed. He's fighting back, responding to treatment. It's as though he's decided to live. The boy later explained that he had completely given up hope until he saw that teacher. It all changed when he came to a simple realization. With tearful joys, with, with joyful tears, he expressed it this way. They wouldn't send a teacher to work on nouns and adverbs with a dying boy, now would they? Friends, we need hope to keep going when life is hard. When you lose the job, when you lose the deal, when you lose the promotion, when you lose your confidence, when you lose your joy, you need to put your hope where? In God. Why? Because hope in God gives you the strength to keep going when life is hard. And here's another benefit of putting your hope in God. Hope in God brings stability to your life. And this is really, really important. Hope in God brings stability to your life. There was a police officer who got a 911 call that a man was getting ready to jump off a bridge and take his life. So the police officer arrives on the scene and he tries to engage this man in conversation, develop some rapport. And he says, sir, listen, um, I'd like to make a proposition to you. Here's the deal. I'll give you five minutes to tell me reasons that you think you should end your life, why you should jump off the bridge. And if you'll just give me five minutes, I'd like to tell you reasons that I think you shouldn't. And then you can decide for yourself. And the guy agrees. And after 10 minutes, the police officer takes the man's hand and they jump off the bridge together. <laughs> now, sometimes it doesn't take much to convince us that things are hopeless. Isn't that true? And sometimes we, we ride this emotional roller coaster. That's why it's so important to remember that God never changes, that God is our rock, that God is our refuge. In fact, the Bible says that hope is an anchor for our soul as we navigate through a very unpredictable world. Look at this verse from Psalm 62. It says this, Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He's my fortress. And notice this statement. It's such a profound statement. I will not be shaken. Are you ever shaken <clears throat> by the things that are happening in your life or the lives of those that you love? God says, I want to be your refuge. I want to be your fortress. You don't have to ride this emotional roller coaster because I think we all know this. You know, maybe it's your marriage and one day you feel like you're up here, right? Because things are going great. Man, we really are connecting and communicating and the next day it's like, this is never going to work. I don't know what I was thinking. This is a disaster. You can be up here one day and down here the next. Or maybe you're a parent and one day your kids are listening with a smile on their face. They're doing exactly what you're telling them and you're going, wow, I'm such a good parent. This is great. And the next day I said, who kidnapped my kids? What, what were they thinking? Or, or maybe it has to do with your job and one day you're at work and you go, man, I love my job. I love my boss. I love my coworkers. I'm making a difference here. And the next day, it's like flipped upside down. I hate my boss. I hate my coworkers. I hate this job. I need a new one. Sometimes, especially during the holidays, we do ride this emotional roller coaster. You know, one day you're excited because you get time off from work during the holidays and you get to spend time with family and friends. And the next day, you're depressed because the holidays never, never live up to all the hype. And you realize that your life doesn't really look like a Norman Rockwell painting or even a Publix commercial. 
when I turn the page on the calendar to December, I know as a pastor that I'm entering the most challenging time of the entire year. And that's because during the holidays, a lot of pain comes to the surface. It could be the, the conflict that's occurring in families. It could be the pain of realizing that this year, that person that I love so much won't be here to celebrate Christmas with our family. Or it could be the disappointment that we've come to the end of another year and our dreams and our hopes are still unfulfilled. And that's why, especially at this time of year, we need to remember this. Jesus came to our world to give us hope. And that hope is in the confident expectation that God will do exactly what he's promised. Now, way back in the Garden of Eden, what did God promise? That a child was coming. And we see that promise fulfilled when Jesus arrives in a manger in Bethlehem. But here's the important thing to consider. So, Jesus came to our world, but how does his coming to our world really give us hope? In practical ways. Well, here's the first thing, and this is on your outline. You can live with hope because Jesus made a way for you to be forgiven. He made a way for you to be forgiven. One time a Sunday school teacher was talking to his class of, of third graders, and he said to the students, he says, can anybody tell me what the Bible says about marriage? And one little boy raises his hand and says, I can. Um, the Bible says, uh, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You know, one of the greatest realities of the Christian faith is that we have a Father who's willing to forgive us. And if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, you can live with hope because you are completely forgiven. When God looks at you, it's as if you have never sinned. I want to share a, a very thought-provoking quote that I read by a man. His name is John Alexander. And he says this, Sin is the best news there is. Does that strike you as being kind of odd? He goes on to say this, Sin is the best news there is. The best news there could be in our predicament because with sin, there's a way out. There's a possibility of repentance. You can't repent of confusion or psychological flaws inflicted by your parents. You're stuck with them, but you can repent of sin. Sin and repentance are the only grounds for hope and joy. You see, we can make a choice. We're walking away from God and we can say, you know what? I'm going to turn around and walk toward God. I'm going to confess my sin. I'm going to tell God how sorry I am and experience his forgiveness. And here's why that's so important. Because without the forgiveness made possible by Jesus, we have no hope. And the Bible tells us that very clearly. This is a verse, this is from Ephesians. And a man named Paul, a follower of Jesus back in the first century, is writing to a bunch of Christians and he says this, remember that at that time, before you were believers, you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. That's really the bad news, isn't it? But here's the good news. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away, far away from God, have been brought near to God, how? Through the blood of Jesus that makes it possible for you to be forgiven, for you to live without guilt and regret and shame. A forgiveness that allows you to live with hope. Now let me point out another way that Jesus coming to our world gives us hope. You can live with hope because Jesus can change you. You can live with hope because Jesus can actually change your heart and change you. A number of years ago, in a mental institution outside Boston, a young girl known as Little Annie was locked in a place they called the dungeon. The dungeon was the only place, said the doctors, 
for those who were hopelessly insane. In little Annie's case, they saw no hope for her. So she was consigned to a living death in that small cage, which received little light and even less hope. About that time, an elderly nurse was nearing retirement. She felt that there was hope for everyone, so she started taking her lunch into the dungeon and eating outside little Annie's cage. She felt perhaps she could communicate some, some love and some hope to this little girl. In many ways, Annie was like an animal. On occasion, she would violently attack the person who came into her cage. Other times, she would completely ignore them. When the elderly nurse started visiting her, little Annie gave no indication that she was even aware of her presence. One day, the elderly nurse brought some brownies to the dungeon and left them outside the cage. Little Annie gave no hint she knew they were there. But when the nurse returned the next day, the brownies were gone. From that time on, the nurse would bring brownies when she made her Thursday visit. Soon after, the doctors in the institution noticed that a change was taking place. After a period of time, they decided to move little Annie upstairs. She continued to make remarkable progress, and finally the day came when the hopeless case was told she could go home. But little Annie didn't want to go home. Little Annie didn't want to leave. She wanted to stay and help others. And so she went on to teach and nurture another hopeless case, a young girl named Helen Keller. For little Annie's name was Ann Sullivan. Friends, we know this, that God has the power to change the human heart. One of my favorite quotes about hope is from a pastor. His name is John Ortberg, and he says this. The possibility of transformation is the essence of hope. Think about that. The possibility that your heart can change, that the heart of someone you love can change, is what gives us hope. And I think about Jesus coming to our world to give us hope. He entered our world so that we could know him, so that we could experience his love and his grace and that's how we reach out to other people. We choose to enter their world. Husbands can choose to enter the world of their wives. Wives can choose to enter the world of their, of their husbands. And parents can enter the, the world of their child. Why? To express love and grace. Because this is what changes our hearts. When somebody loves us and cares about us and extends the, the grace of God to us, that's what causes this transformation as we embrace the truth that God wants us to believe. And so today, if you have somebody like that in your life, thank God for them. Thank God for the, the hope that comes from knowing that, that God himself can change your heart. And realize this, that often that change comes in the middle of adversity, of adversity and suffering. Look at this verse. It says this, And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because... Here's the reason. We know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. Well, church, let me point out one last way that Jesus coming to our world gives us hope. You can live with hope because Jesus is preparing a home for you. He's preparing a home for you. One time, John Newton, who wrote the hymn Amazing Grace, said this, that when he gets to heaven, he was going to be surprised by three things. First of all, he was going to be surprised by the people that were there. People he didn't expect were ever going to be in heaven. We're going to be there. He said, the second thing will, that will surprise me is the people I thought were going to be here who I can't find. He said, but the third thing, the most 
amazing thing that will surprise me when I get to heaven is that I'll be there in the presence of God because of what Jesus has done for me. When you're a follower of Christ, every single day that you live brings you one step closer to going home. Do you realize that? When you got up this morning, this day brings you one step closer to going home. And that is so important to hold on to when life is hard. These are words that Jesus spoke to his disciples before he went to the cross. He said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. I think there's a lot of confusion when people think about heaven because some people think heaven's a state of mind, sort of like a nirvana. Other people say, well, you know, in heaven, you kind of just float around in a cloud and play a harp all day long. That doesn't really excite me. Spending forever floating on a cloud playing a harp. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is preparing a place for us that is actually a new heaven and a new earth. And think about this. If it only took Jesus six days to create the present earth and heavens and universe, well, what is heaven like if it's taken him 2,000 years to create a new home for us? A place where there are no hospitals or police stations or funeral homes. A perfect place. And notice this promise that Jesus gave to his disciples and us. He said, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. How many of you believe that Jesus was born in Bethlehem? That he's come to our world? I mean, that's a fact of history. God promised that he would send his son and his son came. How many of you believe that Jesus is coming back? You see, that is a promise of God. But how do we live in this world until Jesus returns? And that brings me to this last question on your outline. What situation in your life do you need to place in God's hands right now so you can live with hope? And I want you to think about that. What situation in your life right now do you need to place in God's hands so that you can live with hope? And maybe this situation is, is not really something that affects you directly. Maybe you're concerned about a situation in the life of somebody that you dearly love. And maybe it's a health issue. Maybe it has to do with your marriage or your kids or your family. Maybe there's conflict. Maybe it's a financial pressure that you're under and you don't know what to do about it. It could be that you're struggling with, with depression or an addiction and nobody knows about it except God. And, and during this this Christmas season, you come to church and you see this giant word on stage, joy. And the pastor gets up and talks about hope and, and peace. And we sing all these great Christmas songs. And you're thinking to yourself, man, that's great for other people, but not for me. Because truth be told, my heart is so tired. And my heart is so bruised and so broken. I don't know if there really is any hope. Church, listen, our God is a God of hope. Our God can make a way where there seems to be no way. Our God is the sovereign sentinel who stands guard at the gate of your life and only allows in that which he can use for your good and for his glory. And so regardless of what's happening in your life right now, 
I want you to know that this is what I have been praying for you this week as your pastor. These are the words of Scripture. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope through the power of God's Holy Spirit. Let's pray. God, I thank you that Jesus came to our world so that we could live with hope. And God, this morning, we just want to say our hope is in you. God, we believe that you're going to do the things that you promised. And Father, I want to pray right now for the person who feels like they're losing hope. God, would you do this? Would you please encourage them? Would you comfort them? Would you strengthen them? Would you give them the faith to take whatever's happening in their life right now and put it in your hands? Father, I pray for all of us to trust you completely. I pray that we will place all that we have and all that we are in your hands. Because God, there's no better place to be. And now, Father, as we remember what Jesus has done for us, would you please do this, God? Would you draw our hearts to you and give us hope for we play in Jesus' name. Amen.